Hello and welcome to another episode of Confessions of O.E. Timorous Bushy. This is your host, of course, Menion, also known as Rob. Alright, so hello there. Um, sorry, I'm a little bit halting on the intro, but as I came outside on the veranda to do this recording, the bloody great big, excuse me for the language, bloody great big um, cockroach, you know, like Okinawan size. It's probably like, if you're an American, that's probably like, Hawaiian size, right? We're on the seventh floor here, you know. How on earth did they get up here? Well, you know, probably up through the drains. No idea. But um, before I came out on the veranda, so I was about to open the door, I saw this little freaking, this little guy coming across the floor, right? And um, I think he must have been attracted by the traps. So we've got a number of uh, little, what we call gokiburi hoi hoi, <laughs> in, in in Japan, uh, they're little traps for cockroaches, and what they do is they attract the cockroaches very unfairly uh, through cunning smells and so on that appeal to the cockroach, and the cockroach comes up to the trap, and you know, uh, I guess they get poisoned, right? And they uh, we find them around occasionally, but yeah, it's summer. It's summer. It's. Uh, also, the rain season, it's getting very humid. So my wife just came back today, which was nice. So we had a, we went out for a meal today. Uh, you know, just a simple thing. Because she got home about the same time I, I came back from work. And we had a few beers and, uh, and chatted and caught up. But uh, yeah, that's that's it. She, she was saying that uh, up in Tokyo, it's about six degrees cooler than it is here in... Kyoto. Now we're not that far south, really, but uh, yeah, there is a difference. And here in Kyoto, we're surrounded by hills and, well, you know, little little mountains. So it creates a bowl effect on, you know, it's it's warm, it's humid, it's hot, it's humid. There's water, there's rainfall. Anyway, enough of that. What have I got today? I guess this is the menu portion. Well. Uh, casting my mind back because I'm I'm looking at this in in retrospective uh, or in retrospect grammatically is that right no idea but uh, yeah I I uh, was very lucky to make the acquaintance of uh, Fabio no Fabio you may know him may you probably don't know him he's on Twitter and he's a uh, he's one of the old grognards he's one of the the guys that sort of uh, like me, like some other of you perhaps, um, came out of the so-called deep freeze. That is, you know, we were old gamers, you know, we played back in the day and for whatever reasons, some of us drifted away. In in my case, you know, I drifted away um, about the time I went to university, you know, I, I tried to play RPGs at university, but I ended up... Uh, Abandoning, uh, abandoning them and uh, getting involved in a slightly different crowd. Well, I'm not going to go into that here. But uh, yeah, so today I'm going to talk to one such individual. Um, now he's going to give his own story, so it's probably not really worth my while or your while going into that here. But one of the things that, uh, well, one of the reasons I met Fabio was through um, Tristan, who is a, a player and also a GM for me. Um, and he lives up the road in Nagoya. But Fabio uh, and me played in the same um, RuneQuest 
uh, game. Just and I only was involved in a few sessions, so I really can't speak much to that. But what interested me in Fabio was that you know he uh, can you hear something outside. I think I think the cockroaches are still out with us. You know we're gonna gonna have to keep an eye out. But back to Fabio, yeah, yeah. What what interested me in his story was that he's a, he's a few years older than me, and so you know he's got a few insights into the into the gaming world which I moved into. Uh, the background to that, you know, um, the scene as it was in the UK uh, um, in the early, well, in the late seventies, the early eighties, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, he's, he'll mention a few things about his, his, you know, what it was like being a role player in London and shopping and being involved with the people at the original Games Workshop in, in London. So that's, you know, that's, worth, that's worthwhile listening to in, in it and of itself. But he also, in recent years, with his wife, has got involved in a... Uh, a little company that makes and casts miniatures and, and I believe Fabio is the one one of the guys involved in painting miniatures but you know this is a, you know it's a small business and it's part of the hobby um, a labour of love in a lot of ways because I suspect there's not a lot of money in this um, but well you know listen for yourself now if this goes down well um I'd like to have Fabio on again, even if it doesn't go down well. I might have him on anyway. <laughs> but uh, give give us a listen, and if you're interested, leave some comments. Um, yeah, and uh, we'll see what we can do. Now, Fabio will probably mention words like you know, some games or things that you know may or may not agree with. Feel free to leave a comment. He he's going to talk about. Perhaps you might mention Kickstarter. Do you have a do you have a, any feelings about Kickstarter? I don't have any feelings, this way or the other, about you know any of the pre-order, uh, you know, uh, funding companies. But surely they they have some kind of uh, effect or use for small businesses. So um, that's something to talk to Fabio about if you're interested. So anyway, enough. Um, it's late in the evening and it's been a while since well it's not been a while long but uh you know it was a few days ago that i had this conversation so it's probably best that we all listen to what fabio has to say uh, and we'll, we'll come together at a point after that so without any further ado let's get straight into the show okay so today i have with me Fellow Grognard, the man who could probably speak or talk, maybe not speak for England, I don't think any of us could speak for England anymore, but definitely talk for England uh, in the Olympics, is Fabio of Morgue Miniatures, London, England. Hello, Fabio. Uh, good morning, Rob. And here I am in good old London with a uh, nice cup of tea, but uh, not with milk, what with oat milk. So that's, <laughs> so it's vegan tea these days for me. Well, I decided not to have another beer <laughs> because it's e well it's evening which is so you know beer's okay but I, I'm going to do well I'm talking with you so I thought I'd try to keep a little bit uh, sensible I am in fact drinking um, 
some Wilkinson, some of Wilkinson's uh, Zero Cola, which is just well, that a sounds bizarre. very weird. It is really weird. It's like where you can just make that. Up. Oh, I can see it. Yeah, the yeah. viewers cannot uh, see this, but it's clear. It's a clear drink. <laughs> uh, it has a slight cola taste, but there's no sugar. There's no punch to it. Um, I tried it with the whiskey last night. It was oh, okay. <laughs> it was pretty so foul. So Japan, I, lo I love Japan. I've actually been there a couple of times, but when I remember going there for the first time, I remember seeing bottles of sweat. <laughs> oh, pokari, pokari sweat, yeah. Pokari sweat, sweat. Yeah, yeah. That's very, very strange. I'm it, thinking, what, what do they actually <laughs> make people sweat? And then they <laughs> put it in a bottle format. So yeah, yeah. I think it lost a bit of lost in translation there a little bit. Well, but yeah. Yeah, this one of the things about Japan um, is that, uh, you know, English, it's kind of like French in English, right? The, the French language to some people has has a certain kind of uh, je ne sais quoi. I don't, I don't yeah, speak French, so yeah. hopefully that, that was understandable. Um, you know, it has, it has a certain kind of like prestige about it, right? And similarly here, uh, English has a prestige about it. It doesn't have to actually make any sense or, but <laughs> the mere use of the lettering and the mere use yeah. of certain words that, that can be perhaps understood, like sweats, suggests exercise right there's a so, yeah, exercise does, and, yeah, and yeah. it's about rehydrating right pokery sweat is, yeah. a, is a clear drink for those who don't know it and it's um you know a lot of people after doing sports drink it great there's another one which you may be interested in called um it's the it's got a lot of calcium in it actually it's really cool it's good and that, that's partly where the name comes from it's carpis but unfortunately <laughs> carpis sounds awfully like something else that doesn't that's, sound yeah that. yeah Drinkable, is it? It's quite a, it's a little bit sweet, but it's a sort of milky white. Um, oh wow! <laughs> but it's still translucent drink, yeah. you know, semi-translucent drink. Anyway, uh, we'll get off of the beverages now. We'll get, actually, yeah. Fabio, I didn't call you here to talk about beverages. Um, yeah, that's I very true. first we well we first met um, on in Tristan's game, Tristan um, Nabara, I think that's the correct pronunciation. Yes, um, who is also here in Japan? He's been running. Uh, a number of different games, but particularly for us, where we met was uh, RuneQuest. Yeah, uh, which was which was enjoyable. I do I do love the new new edition. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous, and I absolutely love what Kyosum are doing these days. Um, I think that was a business model that had changed hands, uh, and that's where I think I come from, and that's where I think I have a lot of um, love for is smaller companies, um, companies run by fans and people that have got an actual love of, of, of the game or the role-playing community and, and games. And I think it was, um, I think years ago, RuneQuest had changed hands from Chaosium, then it went to Avalon Hill, then it went to, I'm not sure if it was Mongoose Press, and then he went to somebody else. Uh, and, and then it, it just lost itself. and. And, you know, um, while D&D, &D, on the other hand, was kind of going from strength to strength to a certain degree. And then it's just like RuneQuest slowly faded into the distance. And then it wasn't until I haven't got my, um, I should have a page opened up just to know what exactly the actual history. But once it took, was taken over by the actual fans, it's just got into such a, such a positive, um, inspiring way. Um, and the same with Call of Cthulhu. Um, but I, I find it very, very amusing that it looks like the line editors and everybody that's, that is um, in charge of Cthulhu, called of Cthulhu for Chaosium, the, it's, even though it's based on H.P. Lovecraft and American 
uh, American writer and, and classic Cthulhu, a lot of scenarios all based in that northeast part of America. Um, Call of Cthulhu is actually um, in charge by um, Mike Mason and Paul Fricker, it seems, and who are based in um, in uh, in England. So yeah, that, not, that not, New find, <laughs> not, not New England, not New England, but in England, in, in the UK, of which I find yeah. it very amusing. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely love what they're doing and uh, looking forward to very much to getting my hands on Cults of Cthulhu and yes. also um, what's it called? Uh, Time for Harvest. And I can see you showing me <laughs> cups of uh, clear wine, source book. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. not Yeah, that looks nice. Saying that, I just picked up um, Six Seasons in Sartar. Um, oh, that yeah, came great. Through, that came through my door um, yesterday morning. I had a flick through, and God, is it very, very pretty. Really, uh, really nice. I just and that, just started it last weekend, and I my the podcast I just sent out about half an hour, over 40 minutes ago, is entirely about how I set up and I, I ran my first uh, session of the campaign. So you might be interested in that. It's, it's oh, I'll have to have a listen fascinating. to that. It's fascinating. Uh, not, not my talk. <laughs> That's not <laughs> so fascinating. But but the, the game, um, it's ideal for somebody like me who, you know, it's kind of familiar with RuneQuest. I mean, I played RuneQuest 3, uh, the Avalon Hill, Chaosium, yeah. Games Workshop <laughs> version of the game. But um, I... I uh, don't didn't really know. I've never played in Glorantha, um, and what Six Seasons does is um, it, it just opens the world up for people who don't know it, players who don't know it, GMs who don't know it, and you start these characters off at age 15, 16, 17. Um, they're not heroes yet, and they're being initiated as adults into the tribes. They're learning everything firsthand, and f through that, the players are also learning the connection oh, sounds, between the clan yeah. and the cult and the, tri the importance of the family, the centrality of those things uh, over the, you know, the typical individual, you know, usually, yeah, yeah. which is the common uh, entry point of most fancy role-playing games, you know, that, that's, that thing. So it, it's great, but uh, that's not what we're going to talk about today, I don't think. Um, we can, we can, but... Mostly, uh, I've just I, had, I had a cursory <laughs> flick through, and last night it was Saturday night, and I... Uh, and I do, ha I do have a drink once a week, and it was that. Um, and I just went, oh, let's have a quick flick through, even though it's a little bit of a drunken flick through. And I just went, oh, my God, this is absolutely gorgeous. It really does nicely set out and everything else. But that's also also recommendations from people in our community, which is lovely, you know. And it was, I think it was Bud's reviews. Uh, yeah, um, Bud, I speak, to, I speak to Bud, and he, he just was praising it so much. And then Pookie as well was praising it. So it was just yeah. like, oh, I've got to get this. I've really got to get this. So I, uh, so I treated myself to uh, six seasons of Sartre. But yeah. I've not, I've not, well, I, I have met them on, online, possibly Bud, but definitely Pookie. Uh, and the, the, again, two fellow UK grognards. I mean, the, the term grognard is uh, fairly derogatory, I think, in, in, the, in North America. But I, uh, in the UK, at least, from here in Japan, the feeling is that it's not quite, I don't feel it's quite, there's quite as much toxicity uh, in the role-playing scene, um, at least yeah. the, the aspect, the parts of it I see about the, the UK scene. Uh, there are problems, I've seen some problems, so I wouldn't ever suggest that that's, there's not problem people, um, there are definitely problem people, but most of the people I've seen have been very, um, well, I don't know. I mean, it's our generation, isn't it, as well, partly? Yeah, we're not exactly true. the same age, but uh, I think our generation is 
how can we say I, I don't I don't want to get too political but <laughs> uh, yeah we're, we're we're not like stick in the muds or <laughs> no no because yeah, yeah I, we're uh, fairly open to to new ideas and yeah yeah I even though even though I've got to say I have turned into a bit of a grumpy old man and uh, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and it's it's I think as I, I think it's also the fact that it's because I've turned into a bit of a grumpy old man and and it's um, at the moment it is very sad. So the sadness is is that time of it, we are in a financial time of crisis here in England right. and the rest of the world. And so so money is not is a little bit of a concern for me these days, even though I am semi retired. And there's that concern of money. There's also that concern of shelf space. So. Mm -hmm. I'm more than happy to actually not um, be too enthusiastic of certain game systems. So on other podcasts, and I don't know, it's just like I'm. Um, Feel free to quite, uh, Yeah, we know you love lot, them. There's, but... Yeah, but there's a, there's a lot. There's quite a lot of love for Powered by the Apocalypse. Uh, oh really? And I, I and you know, it's just like I, I don't like people who just say, "Oh, that's that's a load of rubbish," or "That's no good," when they haven't actually tried it. So I actually played a uh, a campaign so that was uh, every tuesday night and this was a pre-pandemic mm -hmm. and this was at leisure games which is my local um friendly local game shop which i work there on the odd occasion um we were running scum and villainy so i was playing in playing right. it, scum right. and villainy so that's powered by the apocalypse engine and that was every tuesday night and that might have been for about two to three months i played that and then we played uh, apocalypse world which is the first version of Powered by the Apocalypse, again, every Tuesday night for about two or three months. So I basically put in maybe about six months worth of gaming using that gaming system. And it doesn't click, Rob. It doesn't click. Absolutely. It does not click for me. It, I played it and I, and when there's something I play, even if it's once, I play it, I played one, like one game of Basin, absolutely love the system, really like the system, really love the setting. Um, Free League, I think, are really brilliant. Uh, and I went off and bought the Basin Core book straight away, literally straight away. Um, with Powered by the Apocalypse, I wasn't interested. It really did not. It really did not do it for me. So I, I didn't have the incentive to go and buy the books. And it's it was like, no, it's not doing it for me. But there is a lot of love for Powered by. And I think it's I think there's also that. That thing that goes into the and that's that happened on Steve's podcast, uh, all Anthony's gaming vexes, mm. where it was old school versus new school, and and, and uh, I had to tap out. I tapped out halfway through. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Steve. Uh, I do like the I do like podcasts, but I just didn't want to get too involved. I didn't want to listen to too much. <laughs> Being, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did, because I didn't want to get sort of psychologically sort of like triggered. Scarred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, scarred. Or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it, but I, I love the way it ended. So I mean, if you didn't listen to the end, no, no. it was basically basically what is better, old school, or new school. They're both just it's just as good. It's like music. When when people go, oh, the music of the sixties was brilliant, but but hey, when is the best time? The best time is now because you can listen to new music and you can listen to the music of the sixties. Oh, so on. that's a bit of a cop yeah, out, though, isn't it? Come on, it is a bit of a cop. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a cop out, but it it, it, it was that, but. Yeah, so I, I don't have much love for Powered by the Apocalypse. Uh, well, and it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's good to know what you, you know, well, it's good to, to have the experience and then know what you want and what you want to focus your time on, right? Because, I mean, yeah, it, we don't have the hours that we used to put into the gaming that we, we would have 
when we were yeah. teens. No, you started uh, uh, not not to put not to say that you're old. But but you know, started a few older. years before me. You started. A few yeah, years I, I think I think it was. Scene. Yeah, I think I started in 1979. Right. Um, so very early and, on and, for the UK. Yeah, and then prior to that, it might have been where I came from was uh, I think the mid 70s. So for the so say 75 or 76. So now I'm about 14 years old. Mm. And what it was was uh, we had an old uh, we had. Um, my, in my local high street, uh, we had this huge model shop. Mm -hmm. So it was called Michael's Models of North Finchley. And in the London. shop was yeah, in London. And it was so big, it had one section, one half of the shop was all remote controlled um, airplanes and boats and cars. And then another section had all the model kits of Airfix and, and from Japan, Tamiya. Um, yeah. And then there was a wargaming section and I saw these little miniatures and I absolutely fell in love with them. And, and I started collecting a little bit of Napoleonic miniatures. And that was like, oh, that's quite nice. And then weirdly something came out and it was just like, what the hell is this? And it was, it was, um, they had miniatures, they called them Middle Earth miniatures um, from minifigs in Southampton. And right. I saw these Middle Earth miniatures, which I, and I, by then I'd rather read um, The Hobbit uh, and was reading Lord of the Rings. And it was, I went, oh, wow, fantasy miniatures. Oh, oh wow, this is really, and that then led on to like, what's going on? Hold on, they, these are, this is for kind of a wargaming aspect, but doing a bit of research, um, found, finding out something called Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I, that's where I kind of did my way. And that is exactly what a grognard is. A grognard is basically a war gamer. Um, and it comes from the French, uh, Les Grognards, which is, um, I think, Napoleon's old troops. They were called the old really grumblers old troops. Like yeah, the old grumblers. Um, which is a pretty but, apt. Yeah, it is very, very apt. But uh, yeah, it was from that war gaming aspect. And then, um, but I think my actual first role-playing game was a little little pocket version called melee and then i got magic oh, and it was right, from yeah. that steve was jackson? from the no. is it steve jackson, steve jackson but, he games, was, it? but it was my yeah i think it was steve jackson's games and it was um the fantasy trip yeah so that would lead on to um... and then then i was like oh so i got that and then um that was and i found it a bit yeah, that's okay it was quite limited and then um then I found out about this shop in Dallin Road in Hammersmith in London. Um, and that was the original Games Workshop. And I went down there and seen all these wonderful miniatures. Um, by then, I think this is like 1979 or 1980. Right. Um, and then that's where I, where, you know, that's where I went, hey, let's go, let's go mad and got into Dungeons and Dragons. And then, uh, then after that, it was RuneQuest. And in, I think in 1981, I think I purchased uh, Call of Cthulhu. We, um, and I've still got the original box on my shelf, um, but it's the Games Workshop version, not the KOSM version, which is an exact, practically exact copy of um, what, um, what KOSM were producing and what they've just done recently. They've done that yeah. um, 40th edition. Is it? Yeah, it was a Kickstarter 40th edition. Um, uh, on a funny note, people are are putting up videos of of them closing the lid of the box, and it actually sounds like a cow farting. <laughs> but they're yeah, tight, so that's pretty tight, right? The, the boxes yeah, are pretty are tight nowadays. There's tight, like there's yeah. not a lot of uh, clearance. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of my my kind of brief history. So I used to be a very 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 regular customer of um, Games Workshop that I got to know um, Tim Olson very very well uh, and and the staff. So uh, um, so yeah, we, I used to also go to see films with them. So it was like the Games Workshop staffers. I used to go to the cinema with them to, and see some real classics. Uh, like Star Trek Wrath of Khan, we absolutely all went crazy for that, as in mm-hmm. first the first Star Trek film that was actually wonderful to watch um, compared to the first film, which was, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah, a lot of love, a lot of nostalgia there. Um, maybe I could or, yeah, add something. So I think maybe, I don't know, there's a lot of pe- young people who listen to my podcast, that the demographics are, are kind of slightly up there, but... Um, if they are, hopefully they, they'll get something from this. And it, there is a slight difference, I think, in, in the ways we got into role-playing. Now, I, I started in about 1985, uh, Christmas 84 or 85, I got my first red box, the Mensa basic set for D&D. Oh, okay, but, yeah. With... But before that, it was the miniatures, right? They had the miniatures yeah. in the shops. So it's similar to you, because we didn't have any internet we didn't it wasn't on tv particularly i mean there yeah. might have been a few things but i never saw anything um but what it was it you'd see the miniatures appearing in shops um and they were fairly cheap you could buy a miniature for 40 pence or yeah. 60 pence when i started and i think probably the first time i saw the miniatures were about 1982 or 83 and one of the guys i was in. You know, we were both interested in Star Wars because <laughs> it was the Star Wars boom, you know, Empire yeah. Strikes Back. He had some little miniatures. Now, they struck me because they were so very crude in some ways, quite crudely, not just crudely made um, in some ways, but I'm sure they were very good miniatures too, but the, the subject matter. So there were skeletons, there were zombies, there were naked women. I mean, this was not a, in any way PC. I mean, <laughs> and I'm eight <laughs> nine yeah um there were trees you know like living trees with faces on the, the whole thing was um uh just so out of the ordinary um that it was instantly fascinating um not to say that you know naked women should be you know fascinated a nine-year-old uh, boy whether that's a good or a bad thing it probably probably i don't know who knows uh we'll probably not go down that street but the, the, the sub miniatures have changed a great deal. And I think the miniature industry has changed a great deal. Now you're kind of, you've ended up getting involved in that. So would you? Yeah, so There's I, a couple of I, questions there, that, but could you yeah, talk about I, how I, miniatures have changed and how you've got involved in it? So, yeah, so um, with, with, the, with the miniatures, it's, it's there's, there's as Dirk the Dice from, from uh, the Grognard Files, he goes, oh, there's theatre of the mind. Oh, yes, I like the theatre of the mind, um, <laughs> but I also love love having love using miniatures, and it's uh, and and but for me, it's the role playing aspect again. I love the role playing, and it's it's just getting out miniatures just for that combat purposes. So there's theatre of the mind, and when you know when you're interacting with a uh, with a wizard, or and you're you're having a chat, and so the wizard says, "Oh, the or Lord says, oh, can you please go down that dungeon and clear it out for me?'" Obviously don't really use miniatures there but when it comes to the actual combat and passageways I, I just find it so so lovely and so much clearer for the players and the GM to say oh where's 
where are you in the in the combat you know there's there's an there's an owlbear blocking your your the passageway or he's now bearing the, and so you can put your miniatures outside the little room that the owlbear is in and you and you know like and so you can put that miniature go oh well that character the fighter the big brawly fighter in plate mail picking up that miniature and put it into into the room of the owlbear so you know okay the fighter's going in first and not the wizard so there's none of that confusion going on right. so so i absolutely love that and also also, there's also the ram randomness. Uh, I remember years ago where um, I had we had a, a kind of floor plan of a ship, and we had the miniatures on the deck of the ship, and then a dragon turtle came out, and the bre breath weapon of a dragon turtle is a steam. So this huge cloud of steam came out, and and there's the birdie fighters at the front, and with lots of hit points, and I went, oh wow, that really injured us. And then I had a player kind of put his hand up and just went. My character's dead and i just went what and he just went oh on the miniature side of things my wizard is or my illusionist wizard is about there he just got caught into the dragon breath right. area of effects because you put down a little template type thing of the of the dragon breath and he died and it was and it was just like that randomness and and it, and it was like he was okay about the death of his uh illusionist wizard but he was just like Using the miniatures, I, you know, it, it puts it, it puts it into in a different perspective rather than theatre of the mind going, oh well, my character was was, was in the cabin having a, having a glass of rum or something, and I never got caught out with a dragon's breath. So, I just yeah, I just absolutely love using miniatures, especially in the, in the combat purposes. And for me, a um, little bit of frustration, um, and I think it was certain. There's so many, um, so many manufacturers out there, but there's still sections that seem to be missing. Um, and I was just a little bit frustrated and I'm semi-retired. And so I, so I had a word with my wife and decided to, shall we start making miniatures? So I created um, my own little kind of business, which is Morgue Miniatures. Uh, and hopefully Rob will put a link there. We've got an Etsy shop. Yeah, we'll do. So, so, other than me making or me and my wife making uh, a skeleton with a sword, which everybody does from from the big boys games workshop or we now called Warhammer from Warhammer all the way to a small company. You can get so many companies out there making a skeleton with a sword. Um, so I won't go down that road. I'll go down the road of let's try something a little bit different. OK, I'm not going to sell as many, but if we can just keep going and keep you know, making a small profit that we can then pump pump back into into our um, into our little company to make more miniatures. So so my latest Kickstarter, which will be ending, in, I think, in a couple hours um, is uh, is a group of skeletons, but none of them have got swords, none of them have got axes, none of them have got spears. Um, one's got a spade, look like he's just been digging up or he's going to dig up some battlefields, uh, a battlefield and get some more bones out. Or And there's another one carrying a barrel, another one carrying a lantern and another one um, and a stretcher crew, um, two, you know, two skeletons right. carrying a stretcher with a, with, a, with a skeleton on the stretcher. So is that quirkiness a little bit different? Uh, and another set of minis that Morgue Miniatures have done was um, Tales from the Loop. Uh, which is Free League's wonderful, I think it was one of their first uh, role-playing um, settings. And I just said, oh, hold on, nobody makes any kids, 80s, 1980s kids, which mm -hmm. is what tells a loop you are playing basically a, a, um, a teenager or a young, young child from the 1980s. Right. Uh, and nobody was making any miniatures for that. So I thought, well, okay, let's make some miniatures. 
Um, and then since then, Stranger Things came along on Netflix, which, uh, you know, that whole 80s nostalgia vibe. And then Kids on Bikes, which is a very small right. role-playing um, setting. So I've also made a little selection of called Kids on Wheels. I see so that, yeah. You've got, yeah, so kid, got you've got a kid with a BMX. That's that, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> I don't yeah, know how you made yeah. that, but that, that's good. <laughs> yeah, and, and that 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 was also rediscovering. So as you said, there's the grognards, and we've got Paul Muller, who is a who's a little you know kind of in our age age group, and he's done our some of a lot of our undead stuff. But we discovered a very um, lovely young sculptor called Matt. Um, and he lives in, where does he live? He lives, lives near Aylesbury um, right. here in England. And since he's a young man in his early 20s, his approach to miniature manufacturing is a lot different from Paul. Paul. So we've got Paul who are hand sculpt exactly what, what you and me came into, came into role playing, looking at miniatures were actually hand sculpted. And yeah. now, we're, well, now we use Matt as well who uses a Z brush and other kind of software, which is basically he's sculpting on a, on, on his PC. Right. Uh, so it's, it's a 3d kind of modeling thing that, and he, and he's great because he can just send me pictures of, um, we will give him the ideas. Hey, we want, we want kids on with bicycles with BMX. So we give him illustrations and photographs of BMX bicycles. And we go, we want a young girl with the hair like this. And he takes all, you know, all the kind of um, what we want and then puts it in an SDL file. And then as he's working, he sends us the SDL file, the images, and we go, oh, that looks nice. And so he can tweak it for us and tweak it and tweak it and tweak it until we're very happy. And then he's got a lovely expensive 3D printer and he'll print out the miniature for us in 3D. And then, um, then we get the actual 3D resin miniature and go, yeah, that looks lovely. So. For me as well, um, it's the kind of environmental aspect. Uh, uh, so also I look at the environmental aspect and I prefer using metal. So really yeah. worried about the environment. So that so it, we always do it in metal because when I'm long gone, um, if people, they can, you can recast the metal and reuse the metal. So we're very much try to address the environment um, here at Morgan Miniatures. So it's always metal, 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 not resin or plastic. Um, and yeah, so that metal for me, and it's it's that old school, I love the weight and the recycling purposes in, in that respect. These um, mini, these uh, undead minis are great. <laughs> I'm just looking at the yeah. pictures now. Um, and they, yeah, yeah. they do have an old feel about them. There's, there's something quite, there's a bit gritty about them. It's not like they're all posing for the, or a camera shot or anything like that they appear to be sort of doing something they're they're you know engaged in some action they're quite dynamic yeah, i like that i also like the fact you've got a ghast it's not you don't see many ghasts available. yeah <laughs> so yeah we're just wondering what we need to do for our next range hopefully we'll get our kickstarter and pump the money back into the so oh yeah i'm definitely not going on a holiday i definitely don't, don't any money that we make at Morgan Miniatures just goes back. Mm -hmm. um, um, so yeah, um, yeah, that's that, that's where we come in Morgan Miniatures. That's um, wonderful. Yeah. How did how did you? Uh, this, actually, this may be a, a conversation that I might have to bump on. Um, but uh, yeah, we could talk about um, 
hope to talk about a little bit about how you got into the actual crafting. I mean, how did you start that? Do you do any uh, yourself or is, is it just... No, the... I'm, I'm the painter. So I, I, I actually paint the minis that you see on our website. Our okay, okay, okay. So, 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 so I'm a, I come from it from the painting aspect. Um, so it's, it, it's a collaboration with my wife as well. So, so she, does, she doesn't play anything, but she, you know, she just thinks, well, that sounds like a good idea. Um, but she does all the admin stuff. So she's wonderful, you know, doing the admin stuff and posting stuff out for customers and liaising with customers and, and we set we sell all around the world but with with at the moment um i don't know if it's political or whatever with brexit and everything else the cost of shipping has just gone skyrocketing uh yeah. and it, that's really killing us the, the cost of shipping these small miniatures you know yeah. so um that that's a little bit of a worry but um yeah so yeah basically it's an idea i have um, and then we do it, we write a brief to the sculptor and say we want this and then we'll send pictures to give ideas um, but Matt's wonderful um, yeah, because he can you know with our with our kids on bikes the skateboarder uh, my wife said could we kind of have Patrick Swayze type face so he's <laughs> he, he, he kind of used um, a bit of a Patrick Swayze type face on on the skateboarder so, and that's the thing with with modern modern kind of um, manipulation of software and oh, yeah. everything else. Yeah, um, that's, that's really detailed. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it's uh, but it's enjoyable. Um, but yeah, we're not we're not spending hours and hours on 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 our um, company. It's it, it's a little sideline that I do is me and my wife do since we're semi retired. But yeah, always up for people if they can. If there's any ideas where where people think oh well there's no miniatures for that so um, so i mean i mean two minds where we're going for our next little range um i'm not too sure uh i'm going to be running legends of the five rings um in the future so maybe do some japanese chinese oriental style feudal japanese miniatures in that respect all right well that sounds wonderful yeah so um, yeah, we look forward to seeing what comes out from uh, Morgan Miniatures and uh, I'll try and keep everybody up to date with that. So maybe we can have you back at some point and uh, hear more about what you're up to. Yeah, so, that would be wonderful. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining me today, Fabio. And as they say in Japan, arigato. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. <laughs> No, the world is, is a bit of a cruel place. Um, why do we attack a cockroach? Why, why do we single out any particular species? Why, why do we seek to destroy bacteria with disinfectants? Um, it's difficult to say, at least on a, from an ethical point of view, you know, from a philosophical point of view, but from a, a sheer like emotive, <laughs> emotional point of view, it's very difficult to feel uh, empathy for a cockroach, although they are the great survivors and they will no doubt inherit the earth after we've gone. What am I trying to say here? Well, I'm, I'm very sad and, and in some ways uh, ashamed to admit to you, the, the listener, that I did meet 
at least one of the cockroaches, if not the cockroach, uh, shortly after recording the the uh, the summary, the introduction to this discussion, and I'm afraid to say he's no more. He dodged well. Um, surely this this cockroach had a dodge of sixty or seventy percent. But as I said in the one of my previous podcasts. Percentages can be very, very uh, deceiving. Clumsy that I am. Uh, on the fourth, fifth, perhaps the sixth stamp, the cockroach was no more. So I'm afraid to say that in the course of making this podcast, cockroaches were harmed. Um, now, I'll try to improve on this in the future. If you have any concerns, please do leave a, a message. Um I don't feel proud of myself. I don't. I don't. Generally, I I uh, catch and release creatures. You know. Uh, I get the spider. I let him go. I take the flies out, etc., etc. If, if I can get them, I don't really like cl- killing creatures. Uh, I don't think it's right. But the cockroaches, you know, they're fast, fast little buggers, and uh, if they get in the house, uh, you know, well, um, my daughter's not with me. With with living in this house anymore uh, uh, but the the wife she just uh, really goes mad and it's been my job to ensure that they do not encroach so yeah I, I apologise that I've uh, drawn you into this this uh, discussion this terrible sort of ethical dilemma that we face against the, the various creatures of the world but there you are. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there. Uh, I'm being a bit silly there, um, and hopefully I didn't make you feel uncomfortable. If you do have any thoughts on this, if you'd rather I I didn't mention stuff like that, <laughs> please do leave a message. Um, more importantly, if you have anything to to ask Fabio, um, lovely guy, um, if you want to know what games he doesn't like. <laughs> you want to know what games he does like if you want to get some kind of like uh, you know some some real feelings from him if, or if you want to ask him uh, to create a miniature of a kind of creature that you just can't get hold of well leave us a message right you can contact me uh, on the usual channels um, they are in the notes for this show but if you don't know they are well of course this anchor if you're an anchor member you can look me up at, at uh, confessions of a wheat and a spushy there i am you just pop in a message it's a one mis- minute message but you can leave as many as you wish now if that's too much trouble you can always catch me on twitter at old shabby gamer one word alternatively well, there's more coming around I, I can hear something bumping around i think they're flying these guys alternatively sorry alternatively you can uh, get me at uh, at uh, yahoo.com yeah i'm i'm on the uh, scott in kyoto scott in kyoto kyoto if you prefer scott in kyoto one word uh, at yahoo.com that's my email address nobody ever contacts me there or if they do they get dumped in the uh, trash file but i will check uh and finally uh Finally, is there another one? Well, yeah, you can either to the email or wherever you can. Uh, if you can contact me, 
you can send me a file <laughs> of a Google. Uh, you can send, yeah, you can just send, drop me a, a recording of your comments. You don't have to leave a one minute comment. You can send it to the email um, or whatever. We can arrange something. Yeah, leave a message. Anyway, uh, that's enough. As you can see, it's a bit late. Uh, I'm a bit tired. I've had a few drinks, so um, I leave you with this. Thank you so much for listening to this program, and we've got a few more in the pipeline. Uh, I'll probably put up another show, probably some call-ins and uh, some, uh, you know, game recaps or something like that. But I've got I've got another show already recorded with the uh, fabulous uh, Fabio. No, no. We've already we've done this today. The fabulous Fabio was today. The extraordinary James, the generous James of Grok Talk. Um, and we're going to, me and James actually talk about another topic. Um, the old role-playing games for Dungeons & Dragons, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. This game in particular was the Pools of Radiance game. So we're going to talk about that another time. But uh, that's all to come. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this program. As always, please take care of yourselves, to your friends, be kind uh, to your loved ones as well. Um, and just uh, try and get on in the world without uh, tripping up too many times, you know, as we are prone to do as mortals. But goodbye and uh, peace out as, as our Joe Richter of Hindsightless says. Goodbye. Good night.